Good morning, everyone. Good to see you. I'm Brendan. I'm uh, one of the uh, pastors here at Quina Life, and it's great to be sharing with you. Well, any week I'm up here, actually. It's um, it's a good, wonderful privilege. Um, I, I don't know if you're very good at counting, um, but I've noticed that there's over 7 billion people on this planet. Um, yeah, it's a long way to count. And there's a many, many things that set us apart from each other. Now, some of us, uh, well, well, we speak different languages. Uh, we, we look different. Some of us like pineapple on pizza. Other people hate pineapple on pizza and take it all off. Uh, some of us like test cricket. Um, other people can't understand why on earth a single game can take five whole days and at the end of those five days, you still don't have a winner and how that can happen twice in two weeks. Thank you, Pakistan. Uh, but of course, uh, many inspiring leaders would have said in the past, you know, there's, there's more that unites us than divides us. And, you know, we all need to eat. We all need to breathe. Uh, we all need the love of others. We all want to see our children do well. We all want to see a fair and just world, even if we might have different ideas of what a fair and just world looks like. Uh, but there's something else we have in common, uh, which we might you know, disagree about the details, but everyone on the world, in the world, is in some, on some kind of mission. We are all on some kind of a mission. We are all trying to achieve something with our lives. We've all got you know, hopes and dreams, no matter how big or how small, and we're all doing something to try and achieve those. Some dreams, you know, some, some missions that some of us are on are really big. Uh, recently, we had you know, the Winter Olympics on TV, and those athletes have big dreams, you know what I mean, to be the best in the world and uh, to, you know, to, to win a gold medal. And, you know, congratulations, Norway. That's a, that's a lot of gold for just a small nation. Uh, 16 gold, that's probably enough for every person in Norway about. No, not so much. Uh, but just, you know, Germany did well, 12, but not quite as many as Norway. So that was cool. Uh, but anyway, each athlete, you know, in the Olympics, they've got this mission to, to try and win a medal. That takes a lot of work. Uh, we also see this play out in the geopolitical realm too, you know, often with really terrible consequences. You know, right now, Vladimir Putin has a mission in Ukraine and the Ukrainian people are disagreeing with his mission. They don't like it at all, and they're working against him. And uh, that has, you know, ended up in the terrible situation we have at the moment. We see missions play out all the time in TVs and books and stories. You know, in, in every story, you have a main character. And in a good story, that main character has to have a mission. There's got to be something that they want. Otherwise, it doesn't make for a very good story. Uh, the story has always about that character on the mission to get whatever it is that they're after, whether it be they want to save the world or they want to get the girl or they want to destroy the ring or they want to escape from prison or they want to get a ticket on board the Titanic or they want to pay the tax bill for an orphanage in Chicago, which incidentally is what the Blues Brothers movie is just all about, paying a tax bill. Anyway, uh, For many people in the world, their main mission is survival. Countries in the developing world where resources are scarce or when civilians are caught up in conflict zones, they're on a mission just to live. And, and closer to home, you know, many people in our communities 
they're in survival mode as well, either through mental health issues or financial hardship or relationship breakdown. For these people, each day is a mission just by itself. But here's the thing. For people who believe in Jesus, uh, who acknowledge Jesus as king, oh, we're also on a mission. And as Jake and Elwood would say, well, we're on a mission from God. And it's, it's the sort of mission which has a wonderful privilege to be a part of. And thank you, Tony, for reading Matthew 28. We'll, uh, we're going to have a look at that this morning. So we're going to read it through it again because I think, you know, the Bible's good, right? We'll read more Bible. So anyway, Matthew 28, starting from verse 16. The eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Okay, so let's set the scene a little bit. You know, uh, the disciples here, they've been with Jesus for three years. They've been traveling around with him. They've been doing life with him. They've been learning from Jesus. They've had a number of opportunities not just to watch, but to do what Jesus is doing. Jesus sent them out to heal and do all these kinds of cool things. They've seen Jesus heal people. They've seen him raise the dead. They've seen him um, encounter injustice and speak against, against it. And they've seen him die on the cross. And they've seen him alive again. And verse 17 says, And some doubted. (laughs) Seriously, you saw all that and you still doubt? I'm a pretty skeptical person, you know what I mean? If if I hear something that sounds a bit interesting or a bit strange, uh, I go away and fact check it before I, you know, sort of pass it on. I want to always make sure that I'm always speaking truth. But these guys who doubted Jesus, wow, like Jesus is standing right there in front of him, you know, risen from the dead, and they still doubted. The thing I like about this is that Jesus, you know, he's gracious with their doubts. He doesn't rebuke them and and tell them they're being stupid. Um, He offers grace and understanding. For me, I think that's quite encouraging because if Jesus was gracious with the doubts of the people who saw him face to face, I think he'd be gracious with each of us and the various ways that we doubt when our faith is weak. God, in his grace, understands how we feel. So we should never feel guilty in wrestling with doubts and fears, but know that Jesus wants to lead us into truth. Anyway, verse 18. uh, Jesus said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And and this is cool, you know, because because of Jesus' work on the cross, he is now king of heaven and earth. By his death and resurrection, he now rules earth as it is in heaven. He has defeated sin and death, and now he has all authority. And because of his work in becoming king, we who believe in him, who confess that Jesus is Lord, we can have our sins forgiven and have new life under the rule and reign of this new king, Jesus, which is awesome. But not only that, but by his Holy Spirit, he gives us the power to be able to do all the things that he would have us do. So I like that bit. Let's read on to verse 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And this is such a great, you know, classic mission memory verse. Um, You know, this is the mission that Jesus gives his disciples and the mission that he gives us too. 
But there's so many verbs here. It's a bit confusing. There's like a whole big list of things that we've got to do, right? We've got to, we've got to go. We've got to make disciples. We've got to baptize them. We've got to teach them. There's a whole bunch of things going on. I'm really terrible at the shops when I've got a list of things to try and get. Once you start getting to four, I've got to start writing things down on pieces of paper. I just forget stuff. Uh, but the good news is, uh, here, even though in English it looks like there's four things that Jesus is asking us to do, um, in the original language, in Greek, it's really it's only one thing that Jesus is asking us to do. Uh, and it's to do with the way the verbs are working here. Um, Jesus is asking us to do one thing. And there's one, one verb to rule them all here. And that verb is discipleize. Discipleize? It's not really an English word. I just sort of made it up because, you know, there's not a real English word that fits here. There's a Greek word here that talks about, okay, what I'm actually wanting to do here, people. And it's methateo, okay? And, but there's, the problem is there's not a really good English word that fits methateo. So most translations use make disciples. And, you know, well, that makes sense, right? We want to make disciples. But the, it's one word, and it's, it's governing all the other words around the area. This is all about disciplize. So, make disciples. This passage is about making disciples, or, if you want to Brendanize it, disciplizing. So, all those verbs are important here because it tells us how we disciplize. You know what I mean? Uh, where, where do we disciplize? Well, everywhere you go. You know, go and make disciples. Everywhere you go, make disciples. Some go to work, some go across the seas, wherever you go, make disciples. And how do we, how do we make disciples? By baptizing people and teaching people Jesus' commandments. But the key to this passage isn't the going or the baptizing or the teaching, it's the disciplizing. That's what this is all about. And the other important thing to remember here is when it comes to you know, teaching people Jesus' commandments, I love it how Jesus isn't the fun police with the commandments that he gives. You know, he hasn't set up a whole bunch of school rules for us to follow. Uh, Jesus' commandments sets us on a path to live the values of the kingdom of God, a, a way that lives to life flourishing. Uh, when you read the Sermon on the Mount, which has Jesus' commandments in it, it's, Jesus isn't giving a rule book. He's giving us the way to truly live. Jesus says, you know, love others. Love God. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. He says, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. He says, blessed are the poor. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the hungry. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those when other people hurt, uh, persecute you. We make disciples by teaching others these commands of Jesus. And the best part of disciplizing, making disciples, is what Jesus says in verse 20. We don't do it alone. Jesus says, and surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. When we are going about our day to day, Jesus is with us. When things aren't going well at work, Jesus is with us. When people make fun of us because they say that we believe in fairies at the bottom of the garden, Jesus is with us. When we go out of our way to help someone in need and it gets thrown back in our face, Jesus is with us. And when things are going well and people are hearing the gospel and they're responding in faith, Jesus is with us. So while each of us are about our daily business, living everyday life with our hopes and dreams and missions that we're on, 
because we are followers of Jesus, as we go, we make disciples of all people. And that's going to look different for each of us because each of our lives are different. For some, disciplizing means living the values of the kingdom as you navigate a workplace or school that is hostile to people of faith. For some, disciplizing means running a home group where the Bible is opened and taught. For some, disciplizing means meeting with people one-to-one to read the Bible together and to mentor and stuff. For some, disciplizing means walking across the street to the housing pathway program just over here and serving the people there in Jesus' name. For each of us, making disciples, disciplizing, is going to look different. But let's be intentional about it because it is the mission that Jesus has given us. But here's the other thing which I find interesting. Jesus has brought us together here as one church. And whilst we're all you know, making disciples individually, we also work together to make disciples corporately as one body here at Quina Life. And the way that Quina Life makes disciples will be different to the way that other churches make disciples. Uh, late last year, we, we invited the whole church to be part of this process to discern the type of church we felt that God was calling us to be. And we started looking at our vision. Uh, we, we had a whole bunch of people come together for our visioning days, and those were great mornings where we you know, brainstormed together about what God has placed on each of our hearts. Then from that larger group, we asked for volunteers to form a subgroup and to continue the work. We developed some words. We put that back to the church, and the church said, hey, this is pretty cool. And so anyway, we've come to the point now we've got a vast, uh, vast, a draft vision and mission and values for Kawana Life that the partnership will consider on Saturday next week. And I think that's really cool because uh, Kawana Life's proposed mission statement is really similar to the Great Commission in Matthew 28 except that's been contextualized for us here at Kwana Life. Uh, so if you think about it, we've taken the Great Commission and we've Kwana Lifeized it, if that makes sense. Anyway, um, so I've just got it on the screen here. And this is you know, the mission statement that we'll be looking at um, next week. To glorify God by making disciples of all ages, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and equipping them for ministry in the church, community, and beyond. So I hope you can see immediately how well that connects with the Great Commission, the words of Jesus, but also how it connects with our context here in this church. The Great Commission speaks of all nations, and, you know, and we're about that too because we are you know, that beyond bit at the end. We want to tap into that. But for our church in this season, something that has been part of our DNA since well before I was part of this church is that we're a church for all ages. We are intergenerational with the way that we do relationships. And you'll also note here we've talked about equipping, which is kind of like the same as teaching, but we wanted to be a little bit more comprehensive with that because sometimes teaching can mean a boring person standing up in front of people saying boring things, you know what I mean? Whereas equipping has this sense of, no, 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 it's much more hands-on. This is actually something we're actually doing, not just hearing something boring. Anyway, um, and the last bit here is important, that you know we're a church that wants to do ministry here, but also also, and maybe more importantly, out there in the community. We never want to be limited by these four walls. Our church is bigger than this building. We want to do ministry not only to others in this church, but more importantly to the wider community and then in the wider world. 
And that's got a really, you know, Acts 1-8 feel to it. If you remember Acts 1-8, when Jesus tells his disciples to be witnesses in Jerusalem, in the local area, in Judea and Samaria, in the wider kind of like region, and to the ends of the earth. That's what we want to do here. So what we have here is what we get when we take Jesus' great commission that he gave to his disciples, and we apply it to our church. And at its core, it's the same. Discipleizing. Making disciples is what it's about. But applying that great commission into the context that we see here at Kwana Life, looking at the people that we have in this church and the community around us with all its complex needs leads to a mission statement that looks a little bit more like this. So I hope that makes sense for each of you. Um, but the thing that I find most exciting of all is if, what if we are able to do this well? You know what I mean? If we're able to carry out this mission with God's help, in a significant way, uh, what will be the result? What would this place look like in 5, 10, 20 years' time if we stay focused on this? Uh, well, the, the visioning process you know, also ended up in, surprise, surprise, a, a vision for quite a life. <laughs> kind of like the point, I guess. Um, and it paints the picture of the kind of church we feel God is calling us to be. After considering our DNA, our flavor, the sense of call that God has placed into the hearts of people here, we have a future picture of Kwana life, which I think is really beautiful, and I think we'll realize that if we're able to do this mission stuff. So this is what our proposed vision is. Come next. To be an intergenerational family, being transformed into the likeness of Christ, impacting others with his love. And I hope that strikes a chord with you this morning. Firstly, we are intergenerational because we are people here of all ages, and we want to be a healthy, all-ages church. And for some churches, the way they embrace the all-ages thing is they, you know, they have a program for toddlers, and they have another program for preschoolers, and they have another one for school kids, and they have another program for teenagers, and then they have another one for young adults, and another one for young marrieds, and then young families, and then middle ages, and then t- retirees, and you get the picture, right? Um, And while it's good to connect with people in a similar stage of life as you, um, sometimes that can result in, you know, silos where people only just sort of hang out with people in in a similar stage of life and there's not connection between the groups. Uh, There's a big famous Bible college in the U.S. called Fuller Theological Seminary. Isn't that, you know, really impressive? Pretty impressive, isn't it, wrong? Yeah, one seems so. Um, anyway, they've done a bunch of comprehensive research into the reasons why young people leave the church and also what makes them stay. And one of their key findings about what helps young people stay in church is not about having an edgy youth pastor and it's not about having a big, loud rock band with a smoke machine. One of the big parts of keeping young people was having intergenerational relationships. When young people have healthy relationships with a wide variety of ages in the church, it helps their faith to stay with them all through their lives. Here at Quina Life, we want to do what is best for everyone. And one of the best things we can do for our young people here is create a space which fosters intergenerational relationships. The 11 a.m. service is our latest attempt of giving this a go. Uh, Parts of it work pretty well. Other parts of it are still a bit clunky and we're working on that. But here at this church, we want to do intergenerational relationships as best we can. 
because that is a healthy space to make disciples of all ages. Secondly, in our vision, uh, we want this church to be transformed into the likeness of Christ. You know, this is the goal of discipleship. This is Christiformity, a word that we've used a bit. This is Christ-likeness. And just as our mission statement reflects Matthew 28, I hope you can see you know, Romans 8 here as well, that we want to be conformed to the image of Jesus. Now, that's, that's in there too. The goal of discipleship of the Christian life is for each of us to be looking more and more like Jesus every day. So we are no longer ruled by our own ideas and what is good, and we're not you know, taken over by our selfish desires, but we are living God's way each day and living for others instead of ourselves. Now, if you're like me, uh, you've actually got a long way to go on the journey of being Christ-like. But it's good to know that as we strive to be like Jesus, God's grace meets us along our journey, helping us to do better and forgiving us when we muck it up. Finally, in our vision, the last bit there, we want this church to be impacting the world with the love of Christ. In many ways, in, in many ways, this is what it means to be a disciple anyway. But for us as a church, it's such an important part of who we are. We wanted to spell it out in our vision. Our growing in Christ propels us outward to share um, with his love with other people we meet, with family members, with people in our social networks, with work, workmates, with everyone. So that, that's it. That's our proposed mission and vision for Kwana Life. And we got to that point by reading the Bible understanding what God calls Christians to do, considering our DNA here at Quina Life and who God has called us to be and putting all that together. And uh, so next Saturday, the partners of the church are going to meet to discuss that and uh, I'm looking forward to that. But none of us need to wait until next week to apply the Great Commission to our own context. You know? uh, we are all on a mission from God. Jesus has put us on that mission. And so each of us are to, to disciplize, to make disciples wherever we find ourselves. We are to make disciples in a way that makes sense in our context. That might be being part of a home group. That might be leading a home group. Uh, that might be about being a RI teacher at a school. That might be doing something special for your neighbors. That might mean doing nightly devotions with your kids. It might mean being an example of Jesus in your workplace. Whatever it looks like for you in your context, go ahead and discipleize. You may have other missions too, you know, to be a good parent, to be a faithful employee, to pay off a debt, to eat more healthily, or just to make it through each day. You don't need to stop those doing those things to make disciples. As you go about everything else in your life, make disciples. So it's my prayer that each of us here can be effective disciple-makers as we go about our day-to-day. But not only that, but we as a church may be even more effective in this as we work together. May we learn from each other, may we grow with each other, and together as one body, make disciples of all nations and all ages. Will you join me in prayer? God, we thank you for this mission that you have given all of your disciples, God. It's a, it's, a, it's, it's a big mission to, to do what you did, to, to, to make disciples. And uh, that's a difficult thing to do, God. But I want to thank you so much that, it's, uh, that you go with us, as you said there in Matthew 28, 
you are surely with us to the end of the age. So we're never alone. And it doesn't need to be a crazy person uh, doing crazy things. It can be just as simple as giving a cup of coffee in Jesus' name or just caring for someone or reading the Bible with someone, some really subtle ways, God. So I just want to pray that for each of us, we might have a really good sense of how you want us to be making disciples this week, that we can be more active in whatever way that you would have us be active in making disciples either from the very, very simple things to maybe the very, very big, big mission and heart things that you put on us. So God, I just want to pray for myself and for my friends here that we might be faithful in what you've asked us to do this week and that we as church also might be faithful in what you've called us to do as well. So thank you for this, God, and thank you that you're with us. And it's, even though it's a bit scary, knowing that you're with us means you know, we've got this because you're with us. So thank you, God. Amen. Thanks, Dan and team.